The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Six minutes after 11 o'clock, you're still listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon, joined right now in studio. Yeah, now makeshift studio on the side of the conference venue by Minister Bladen Zimande uh, as well as the outgoing Vice-Chancellor of the University of Johannesburg Prof Marwala. Prof, how are you? I am doing very well. I am glad that the Minister is here uh, to see what uh, uh, his uh, department uh, has done uh, for us uh, to take forward uh, this issue of the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, Minister, you said to be losing Prof Marwala. Well, it's it's actually a very difficult question that you're asking me to answer because no, it's not yes, difficult. Yes, it is because <laughs> it's 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 on the one hand yes a loss for you, Jay. But on the other hand, it's a huge gain for South Africa and the world. So that is why I'm saying it's a very difficult question to yeah. answer because it's actually on the whole we are very excited about our own going to actually lead one of mm. the primary research think tank institutions, you know, the UN universities, which mm. should actually... the pro In many ways, we are not losing him. Yeah. We are now getting him onto a bigger stage. Mm. Of course, we'll be serving the whole world, but it's an opportunity for South Africa to create a very dynamic relationship with the institution that he's actually going to. Mm -hmm. mm. Prof. Marola, you, um, you are the thought leader in the country as far as uh, disruptive technologies artificial intelligence is concerned. Your book is a seminal piece of work on this. Um, and here today we are discussing how disruptive technologies can help solve social problems like uh, the crisis of our social housing. We have a massive housing crisis in the country. You and the minister just did the walkabout uh, to see to see the prototype. Is it, is it are, are you excited? Is this the sort of stuff that makes you sleep well at night? No, no, absolutely. If you think about it, uh, uh, it's for the first time that we are building houses using concrete. That's mm. what we're actually doing, you know. And the house that comes out is actually stronger than the house that you uh, you get when you use normal bricks, especially the ones that you uh, you burn in order to strengthen them. So mm. this is an exciting uh, avenue of uh, of also speeding up the housing uh, of our people. Mm. Eight hours, you could you could actually complete all the walls that you need. Mm. I mean, if you were to use conventional bricks that is not going to be that quickly you know yeah so this is actually an exciting project it needs to be integrated into uh, the political economy of the construction industry mm, mm, you know mm. uh, the cement industry is obviously quite key on that you're going to bring other uh, uh, factors uh, the people who fix the 3d printers are job opportunities that are going to emerge and we need to have people who are able to adapt uh, to this new production mm, of houses. Mm, mm. Minister, uh, the Minister of Human Settlements is not here, but that's fine. Uh, the President always promises us a million houses. You can now build a house in eight minutes. Is this finally the technology that Eight hours, there? not eight minutes. <laughs> Sorry, eight hours. In future, it may be eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in eight hours. Is, is, is Was the president excited when you told him about the, the launch of the, this? The president is a big, big champion of technology, you know, and is very supportive, you know, of this because this can actually help us, as you say, to address the housing backlog. Of course, we've got to balance that against the reality of 
joblessness in our country and mm. the construction industry is a very labor intensive mm. industry so the manner in which we use this technology and the scale must obviously take into account that as well yeah. but of course you know it <laughs> we can't also then remain behind here is the technology now we have it it's important that as south africa we are taking a lead on this in the continent, in the industry as a whole, so that then we are able to say, how do we better manage that? Mm. And also, of course, not all the jobs are going to be destroyed because it's the walls so mm. far in mm. the main that it built. You still have to build the foundation, do the doors, the windows, the roof, mm. and all that. It's still going to be done, except that it will be quicker now to, yeah. to, to build the... Was, and possibly there will also be new jobs coming out of that. So as a country, it's very important that we don't like we don't have to behave like the old Luddites, you know, who who smashed the machine, <laughs> the machines in the 18th century as try, try one way of protesting against technology. You're a politician, but you're also a communist. Yes. Uh, Karl Marx warned about the disruption of technology and taking away the livelihoods of people. How do you contend with that dilemma? Remember what Karl Marx said, actually, that much as he was for correctly the destruction of the capitalist system, but there's one thing he said about the capitalist system. It's very innovative, you know, and that is why he argued that the transition to socialism ideally needs to come when capitalism is at its height, having developed technology that will make it possible, for instance, that people don't have to work for eight hours, they have to work for three hours or for four hours, and you increase social leisure and so on. Marx never fought against technology. What he fought was what that technology must be used for. And his argument was that socialism, actually needs to be built on the back of that technology which will make life much easier for human beings and so on. So we can't be anti-technology at all but what we need like the point of jobs in this one is how do we then use that. That is why for instance we are talking about the whole issue of a just transition. In this sector also the construction sector we need the, the concept of just transition is very important to say how do we transition in such a way that we don't have wholesale loss of jobs without yeah. at the same time running away from technology. What, do you, what, then, what then do you prioritize? Uh, housing justice or jobs justice? Well, you'd have to have a balance. For instance, I can tell you where this can be helpful immediately is in terms of where we have had disasters. And you can be so able KwaZulu to... Natal, Eastern KwaZulu Cape. and and Incidentally, we're going to be starting there in Guazulu Natal. We are this project we are doing. It's my department, University of Johannesburg, and Human Settlements in KZN government. You know, uh, so that we are we are actually able to practicalize this, and we are going to be doing the first kinds of of, of houses, pilots in KZN. Greytown, those areas and so on. So this can help us to respond very quickly actually to disasters. Mm. Just that on its own is something that would be very, very important. That is why I'm saying we have to manage this. As the world, we are always faced with that, the issue of technological advances. But how do we harness technology also? Let's not lose sight of that. As you opened you know this 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 discussion with us you know you, you harness technology for social uses which is very important mm. uh, where there's innovation uh the law and policy needs to catch up the what the law as well as policy making needs to catch up yes where are we definitely
Well, that's a, that's a task of government as a whole. We are doing our bit, both as higher education and as science and, and innovation. For instance, we need to ensure that we begin training people, you know, to be able to handle these new technologies, you know, and so on. Um, not so long ago, we, we commissioned a study uh, uh, as Department of Higher Education and Training on the implications of the Fourth Industrial Revolution for post-school education and training. It's got huge implications for universities, for divot colleges, even for community colleges in terms of what kinds of skills. So that is one part that we are doing. The Department of Science and Innovation in itself is actually doing a lot of work because with technology and innovation you need for instance to protect intellectual property of people you need to facilitate the transition between research products and innovation the products commercialization that also comes out yeah. of that all those things a lot of them are in place but new ones new ways of having to actually regulate this environment is also going to be very important yesterday prof marola was in conversation with the human science research council we've lost about 650 million rand approximately of research and development investment from the private sector about 360 million from the government and we're spending less in real terms in research and development we're not uh, executing as many research projects and products as we as we can i'm worried are you well, we are all worried, but uh, we have to understand the, the economic difficulties that we face as a, as a country. And uh, we have to now, uh, uh, more than ever before, uh, you know, develop a much, much more effective way of prioritizing where our investments are going to be as far as R&D is concerned. Uh, for example, uh, just to use this uh, project as an example, uh, the total cost probably was about 30, 40 million. Mm. And the, the impact that can potentially come out of this is huge. Mm -hmm. You can be able to, to deal with uh, issues of integrity of housing. When you go out into informal settlements and you see tin roof, mm, uh, mm. which are absolutely boiling during the day, you know, and what you can do with 3D printers, where you can just by the way you design uh, uh, the whole structure, uh, you, you, you basically are able to insulate the spaces much better than, mm. than before. Mm. So, 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 so we need to, to, to invest we need to mobilize all the, um, the the potential funders domestically, internationally, continentally. Uh, the private sector must come to the party. Mm. I think that is something that we have to emphasize here. The private sector must come to the party. I don't want to name companies <laughs> and how much their budgets have uh, fallen, but yeah. uh, but 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 the, the, the research, the political economy of research and development and innovation is more than just government yeah yeah in fact we need the private M sector. minister do you want to name some companies <laughs> no, no 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 i won't name companies in fact oliver what i was just thinking to build on what professor is saying one other big advantage of this technology by the way is, is a is a method of building houses that government has been experimenting in a few municipalities which is a service stands and then people build for themselves 
you know, which is as another possibility, by the way, rather than just that. What, what, what does that mean? You, you it build means the roads, you build the electricity yes, network, you build the sewer system. Everything. And then you say the to people, and, people and, and then they come and build their okay. own houses. This can also then help to facilitate, to say that we give you a start. We'll give you the walls. We'll give you the structure. We'll give you the structure. Bring your own absolutely. electrification and, then, and plumbing. Absolutely. Okay. Uh <laughs> but you have to talk to the Minister of Human Settlements yeah. in some detail on that, you know. Yeah. It's just what we see from the standpoint or you know of science and innovation of what these things can do to contribute to this social agenda that you yourself very competently yeah. spoke about are you, at are the you, beginning. Are you asking uh Treasury for more money for R and D? Of course. Of course. What are they saying? As a country well, we've got a challenge, you know, because the the, the state of our fiscus is not good, you know. I don't want to be then arguing on radio, you know, and talking to my colleague, you know, the Minister of Finance. Uh, my own view is that when economic situations are like this, you know, mm. you don't invest less in education as well as in science. Mm. Precisely when we are having economic difficulties, the best thing you can do is to invest more in science and education because that lays a much stronger foundation for economic growth or, or, or for economic revival and so on. If you do get more money, Minister, why do you spend it on building more universities or funding more research projects? The two things go together. Fortunately, you know, you 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 have to build more universities yeah, because no. largely our universities are actually the repository of science and the it's repository, a, yeah. therefore, of of, of innovation. Yeah, well. Minister, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Prof. Thank you so much for your time. All the best uh, uh, as you take on the world. We we really are rooting for you and and tremendously thankful and grateful for the work you've done uh, in South Africa. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you very much for the opportunity.